Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Ahoy, Pete. Ahoy, Matt. Ahoy, everybody. So excited to be talking to you today about the big Star Trek Discovery Season 2 panel at New York Comic Con this last Saturday. And Pete, some of the biggest news out of the gate, perhaps not even directly tied to Star Trek Discovery, but certainly of great importance. Actor Wilson Cruz said repeatedly that Americans around the world need to get out and vote this November. Wilson Cruz is the man uh, already in a super strong uh, panel and ensemble, um, but absolutely stole the show Saturday uh, with his eloquence on top of being allowed to say so little about his character, which we'll get to in due course. But he talked specifically about how people all over the world are, are turning to strong men to save them. And that, uh, that's not the way that it works. We need to save ourselves. And the way that we do that is through getting out and voting. Uh, as of our recording right now, the deadline in most states to register has passed. However, hopefully those listening, those eligible, will go out and actually exercise their franchise. And uh, we're, not, we're not getting political here. We're not telling you how to vote. Okay. But vote. Please, please vote. And I'll do one better, Pete. For those who are already registered uh, in many states, the deadline has yet to pass to be able to vote by mail. Uh, there's certainly less stigma with vote by mail. You know, I think that that phrase absentee ballot, you know, is, has fallen out of favor. It's just voting at a, at a different time, at a different location, your house and whatnot. So I know here in New Jersey and in many other places, uh, there's still plenty of time to register for that. So tons of opportunity to get out there and vote like Wilson Cruz said. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he's he's our doctor. But in this regard, he might as well be the admiral. Uh, Wilson Cruz also mentioned a charity close to his heart, United for Puerto Rico, which supports uh, nonprofit initiatives for reconstruction, housing, clean water, economic development. Uh, we are asking all listeners to check out unitedforpuertorico.com or udinosporpuertorico.com and consider donating. After all, it was Captain Kirk himself who noted some of the most powerful words to be said are, let me help. Again, this is non-political. This is the human family that we are. We still have a situation in Puerto Rico, practically part of America in everything but statehood. And hopefully that's coming soon. But more than a year after this hurricane, there are still regions of that country in terrible, terrible disarray. This, as Michael has uh, stormed into the uh, southern United States in the past uh, 24 hours, and we're about to get the uh, remnants of that tomorrow up here in New Jersey. So uh, these these storms and helping people out, helping in need, you know, for for the mission of Star Trek. Until we're doing this in the stars, we need to be doing this for one another right here at home on Earth. Well said, there, Pete, and uh, we'll bring it back now to New York and uh, we'll talk about that really splendor splendorous panel at the New York Comic Con panel hosted by Rebecca Romaine and uh, it was with Alex Kurtzman, Heather Caden, Doug Jones, Mary Wiseman, Ethan Peck, Sonequa Martin-Green, Michelle Yao, Anson Mount, Shazad Latif, Mary Chifo, Anthony Rapp and oh did we mention Wilson Cruz star-studded and like i said the strength here is how they play off one another in this tremendously diverse representative cast that we have uh both aboard the discovery and the uss enterprise uh alex kurtzman opened up with a general you know acknowledgement of the success of the show thus far also had an update about the picard room uh which later led to some confusion about picard showing up on discovery uh this kind of confused me because if you don't already have the people there assembled for the panel in the loop about star trek and star trek discovery and other cbs all access things uh, there seems that then there seems to be a bit of a breakdown in communication. There is no PR problem, Matt. There are also five lights. 
right? <laughs> or four or three or whatever. Here's the deal. When a woman in a blue Starfleet uniform for the sciences is not aware that Picard is not going to show up in season two, but instead has his own series, which part of the news here too, was this is not being conceived as a limited series, but as something they could return to in multiple seasons, uh, with, with ratings success. Uh, you have a problem the, some of the most ardent fans are unaware of this stuff. Well, the proof is in the pudding there, certainly in that, uh, well, in that moment of confusion there. Less confusing was the, uh, the premiere date for season two, January 17th. That, of course, uh, revealed at the end of the really, really wonderful uh, trailer that they showed. Pete, the show is sticking with Thursdays, the same Thursdays that the short treks are airing on. I'm a big fan of this move to Thursdays, uh, Sundays, beginning of the week, but they were up against some heavy hitters walking dead. We were always refreshing it beginning at eight o'clock on, uh, Sundays, usually getting it, uh, actually always getting it early. Uh, Matt and I going back and forth in terms of, uh, when it hits the computers and taking it in and then going right to podcasts. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for this new day. Really enjoyed doing the short trek on a Thursday and, and turning that around before um, we got back to New York Comic Con. So, uh, yeah, I think Thursday is the right move. I think, too, for us podcasting, it's something that we learned as the episodes went on and as as some of the episodes got bigger and needed more digestion um, and we kind of wouldn't necessarily podcast on a Sunday night, the night that it dropped. Uh, I think Thursdays, particularly if they're sticking with the 930 slot, you know, Thursdays probably would not be when we're podcasting it. We'll give it a day or two. And people really seem to respond to that in terms of a little extra time for them to digest, them to share theories, connections, etc. So it seems like win-win all the way around. I don't specifically remember us not doing it the night of at all last year, maybe the finale. Um, and then uh, the premiere, remember we had the over the air premiere on CBS and then, okay, now go to all access and you can see part two. I know we did part one that night. The next day we recorded part two. So you had our impressions on the, the first two within 24 hours any way you slice it, Fantastic Geek is going to be there at the very beginning to give you our reviews, our impressions, our insight of these episodes. The uh, aforementioned Rebecca Romaine uh, mod moderated the panel. I think she did a, did a solid job, maybe shaky with a couple questions that weren't uh, necessarily written by her. Uh, I do have to mention Mary Chifo had given this really – thoughtful, eloquent, deep uh, discussion about Laurel's hair and how it ties to overall Star Trek things. And then a couple of minutes later, Romaine comes in with a, with a question about that same topic. You know, while it's an interesting plot point, who is it who put the question in Rebecca Romaine's hands to have two women talk about hair? Yeah, it was one thing with Mary Chifo. And, and can I gush about Mary Chifo for a second? This is the chancellor of the Klingon High Council we deserve. OK, she is super dedicated and knowledgeable about the material. Uh, she's since tweeted about the discussion with the shaving of heads and Klingons without hair and Klingons with hair and, you know, getting back to the idea of what, uh, Kalis had, uh, and, and she pronounced Matt and you picked it up as well. She even pronounced it with the, with the Klingon accent, Kalish, uh, when she was speaking there at New York comic con. Um, and she brought it up and I don't know if Romaine necessarily listened when she was, speaking the first time and then goes to this prearranged pre-scripted uh, question about the hair. Now you really did need to look and we saw the trailer, but once before the panel um, to even find Laurel and see the hair. Uh, when you go back and you know what you're looking for, as opposed to seeing it the first time, it's a little bit different. Um, but 
you know, to point it out, I get it on the cue card, but maybe that's when you take that cue card and go, uh, yeah, I just transported that one to the neutral zone. I don't overly fault Rebecca Romaine for uh, being less than perfect. You know, this is not her, this is not her main. She was, she was nervous and, and she tweeted about it and, you know, like you said, she she was game for this. You know, she's not trained as a as a panel um, moderator, um, and it it's not easy. Uh, I say this as someone who's moderated zero panels in front of a, a stage like this, but uh, I'm absolutely up for it. And when it happens, and it's going to happen, I'll be ready. Um, I, I just wonder, you know. Again, back to PR, who is it who decided she was the best one versus, you know, like Dr. Mae Jemison last uh, last year or whatever, um, and let alone kind of some of the questions given to her. But a bit more positively, Pete, we did get, as you mentioned, some of that great kind of discussion of Klingon hairstyles relating back to season six of Star Trek's next generation. She had the exact episode, the one where, uh, the, the Kalis, uh, it's thought he's an imposter comes aboard the enterprise and went directly to that. She knows her lore. Laurel does. Uh, and Chifo's just such a, a bubbly, presence in terms of what she brings and what she knows uh remain also jokingly lamented the fact that anson mounts pike left number one behind in charge of the enterprise while (laughs) he went to go have adventures on the uss discovery on star trek discovery so uh, while i certainly did not imagine like that number one was going to be a major new force in the cast this season i think it kind of did confirm that that you know, we're going to be left wanting more, which is just fine by me. I mean, that they're even reaching into that and um, bringing the character that uh, Major Barrett Roddenberry originated all those years ago at the very beginning, um, that Romaine is donning the wig. If you look at the side by sides that's out there of um, Roddenberry and uh, Romaine, they're really, really uh, faithful. So, uh, we, we see a little interaction with them in the trailer. Uh, there'll be some surprises, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, if we're going to transfer Pike from one ship to the other, of course, his, uh, commanding officer, he's got to have a little bit of interplay and we know that Spock is off doing Spock things. (laughs) Well, speaking of Anson Mount, he also shared that while there is, of course, still a serial arc to the season, uh, each episode is going to have kind of a uh, a flavor of Mission of the Week as they search for the beacons or search for things to help them find the beacons, that sort of thing. And uh, that's welcome news to me. I am so pumped for this mystery that they're about to explore. And we're, you know, in season two now, the show is a known quantity, yet it continues to find itself. And um, Kurtzman pointed out, you know, they only had the one away mission to Pavo. And there was a little bit made after the panel in terms of design and where they went. Originally, the Pavins were going to be physical and they had a dancer on set and there was going to be far more of an interpretive situation going on in terms of the communication. And they wound up having to uh, bag that and go with the, the metaphysical, if you will. So um, really looking forward to where these uh, seven red lights, these signals are going to take them uh, on their search for Spock. Um, and to uh, different destinations and uh, situations. We know, too, that we're going to wind up on Kaminar at some point with um, the Kelpian race uh, as the prey species, and we're going to get to meet uh, Saru's sister, and he even teased that there's going to be some connection with his short trek, which is the third of the four to come. And that whole uh, Saru storyline is going to support the the strengthening of bonds between Saru and his his sister from the Earth Mister, referring to Burnham, of course. <laughs> so bringing it back to the core cast, bringing it back to the the main characters, um, 
and just sounds like a really, really exciting direction that his his stories are headed in. Yeah, he's so beloved as a performer and you can really feel it amongst the cast. Um, and we're going to get to see Saru. We've already in the trailer seen him without his shirt on. So they've they've further encased Doug Jones in uh, prosthetics bury himself even further into the performance, the emotion uh, between he and Sinequa Martin-Green. I've been re-watching season one and, um, you know, the kind of adversarial playfulness they have in the very beginning of the pilot to outright loathing to where they are at the end of the season. And I just am so uh, excited to see the deepening of those bonds, particularly as we're going to learn more about his race. I, I think too, the, the, I don't want to say burden, but the responsibility of season two is to take the story in some of those directions. If you take everybody at their word, including some of the, you know, (laughs) some of the no longer employed by Star Trek discovery people, but this notion of, of they're going to have this big war up front to show, Starfleet in a non-Starfleet light and to show desperate times and, and all of that. But then when that's all over, and then of course there's the whole side story. I shouldn't say side story, but you know, there's the whole the whole thing where they're still not back in this universe or in the, the mirror universe, but to reach a point where Star Trek as you know it can start up again. And that's not to denigrate the the two great story arcs of the first season, but to reach a point where you can have that again. I'm really looking forward to that. I think it'll feel all the more earned. One of the big expectations of this panel was to see something of Spock in a photographic form at this point. And the moment he came out before us, Ethan Peck wearing the beard, I said to Matt, all right, something's something's going on here with the beard. They're, they're going to find him and, you know, he's going to be unkempt, whatever, out on this mystery emergency situation why the enterprise needed to come find uh the discovery sarek and uh burnham and sure enough he shows up with the the beard and the footage and of course the uh non uh you know get along canon people are like but spock's never had a beard or even a goatee oh oh wait (laughs) um I mean, look, they're playing in a portion of the timeline that's prior to what we've seen before. That's even before you get to Kurtzman saying towards the end, kind of saying definitively in my mind for the first time that they are the plan is to honor the spirit of the original series, but not be not be tied to 50 plus year old technology and techniques and things of that sort. Um, But even then, I don't think, you know. Pete, it didn't take, you know, didn't take G- giving Gene Roddenberry more money to be like, I don't know, Spock with a beard, you know, Leonard Nimoy could have had a beard, but this is at such an earlier time and he's on this pilgrimage, this journey, this, you know, do they find him in a, in a, in a desperate situation as he, been, you know, whatever it is, there's all this latitude to be a little different and then bring it back to where we expect it to be. I mean, that's Pete, that's probably, you know, episode 212, 213. It's going to be him using the sonic, uh, the sonic razor and then cl- <laughs> cut to close up of tug the boots, check the blue, uh, cuff, you know, zip, whatever it is, walk onto the bridge of the enterprise. And, you know, it's Spock as we know him just, you know, through this, this 2018, 2019 lens, you know, it's okay. And I think increasingly online, we're just seeing people, people have never seen Discovery, but want to fight against it. They're losing steam, Pete, because the word is out that this is a great show. And you need do nothing more than look around the nearly packed uh, other streaming platform, which shall not be named theater at MSG on Saturday to know that this show is now accepted, beloved. It was, you know, in its early, early incarnation, I think we had seen three episodes by the time we went to New York Comic Con last year. So still finding its footing. And you think of the number of times that that show changes in its nature in that first season. Um, I'm sure there'll be 
evolution in the second season. I don't expect it to be anywhere near as revolutionary. Suddenly, you know, the show is on the Enterprise and the Discovery's gone and blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, one of the two things on Spock, you know, one scene that we see at the very end of the trailer, he's asleep and he's awakened either by a hypo or another device. Somebody has uh, taken that device and turned it into a brawn shaver. And there's an image floating around online like they're about to shave his, his beard off, <laughs> maybe to maybe to calm down the dum-dums who were worried about, you know, my Spock doesn't have hair follicles outside of where his goatee grows or where uh, Nimoy wore the triangle-shaped um, sideburns like the rest of the cast, one of which I have from uh, Walter Koenig on my wall. But uh, more seriously, I think we're going to see a, a Spock, a pre-Colinar disciplined Spock who maybe went out in a, in a fit of passion you know, talks in the voiceover of the trailer, having seen this this vision of the red angel that appeared to him as a child and in embracing a little bit of that. Um, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a of a cheekiness to the Sarek we've seen in season one. Um, he's he's not super cold logic all the time. And I think that would be a natural outgrowth to see of this Spock. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, this guy just, he, from what we've seen, he just nails it as Spock, the, yeah. the look that he has, his voice. And I mean, my goodness, if you just Google Leonard Nimoy, 1950s, obviously, uh, uh, Mr. Peck is not a, is not a doppelganger, but there's just something about Leonard Nimoy 10 years more youthful than, you know, than we first think of him in 65, 66. Um, and, and that, that Ethan Peck just captures that, that, that youthful vibrance and that look and, you know, and you add his voice and you add just, there's a certain gravitas that he had on stage yeah. though. He, he, you know, kind of got few questions and which I think is befitting of the fact that, you know, they don't want him to be like, Oh man, wait until you find out it's all, you know, crazy or in the mirror universe again or you know whatever it is. Um but he just, whatever that it factor is, he has it. Yeah, he's got the gravitas of the family name too, let's be honest, but the man can perform and it was a casting they needed to nail. You think of how strongly Quinto has been with the endorsement of um the the Nimoy family and and Leonard himself as Spock associated with that role. And now this other man steps into this um, with another current Spock still floating around in that, you know, Kelvin side of the universe. Um, and uh, I, I think they really nailed it. We're hearing from uh, people associated with the production that he's very good. And, uh, you know, almost want to fast forward, you know, Get, let's get to January already, get these episodes going so we can see how he fits into the whole puzzle. Well, you know, it's funny, Pete. Uh, just in the last week, I was listening back to our, our season one wrap that was done the week after the season had concluded. And uh, between between the episode, between our podcast for 115 and, uh, and that season wrap up, you know, some of the discussion was, have we seen the last of Shazad Latif? I mean, come on, they really can't do anything with him. Like, what's the story arc going to be? He's probably, you know, it's probably one of those things, one season and done. And then, you know, in the season one wrap, okay, we hear he might be back a little bit. I don't know. It's just like a one episode thing. Pete, there was Shazad Latif, mysterious again. What's Tyler up to this year compared to last year at New York Comic Con? We really don't know again, but Shazad Latif is back. He is. I don't think he's going to be going under the knife again and to appear this time as uh, Valk, the uh, Vulcan. Um, but the interesting association that he has with Laurel, where she finds herself as the top woman uh, leading the Klingon Empire in 
a man's empire, if you will, the sexism that might still exist in the Klingon empire to this point, um, that he's, he's going to be there as a bridge to humanity. We know that he's Klingon from birth, but he's now got this other appearance. We don't know if that can be reversed by the house of, uh, Moloch. Um, but, uh, damn, if this isn't going to be interesting and I think it's going to drive those two characters much closer together. Yeah. I certainly welcome the story mystery of how they're going to use him. I welcome that much more than, uh, and then he didn't come back or, you know, I mean, you could have written him out at the, in one fifteen of like, I think I'm going to go explore my humanity. Goodbye. Um, this is a, this is a connection and a combination that I'm really eager to see more of in season two. Absolutely. And, you know, he, he was so good at playing along with everything that went on, you know, like I said, going back and watching the, the beginning of the first season to this point. And yeah, we had his name in the credits and, He's clearly under the the Valk makeup and prosthetics. And, you know, I was hearing the voice um, more and more once we knew Tyler's voice and and his speaking voice. And they modulated a little bit. Um, But, yeah, this is essentially a a man without a a country, a man without a planet Um, and back with Laurel and all the feelings there. Um, still with feelings, I'm sure, for Burnham. It's going to be interesting to see how that resolves. Well, able to straddle many planets, many universes is, of course, uh, is of course our emperor, our empress. And seeing Michelle Yeoh get a question from Rebecca Romaine, leap up, seemingly <laughs> ignoring the panel, not just the question, the panel itself, but instead you know, turning to those 5,000 there assembled, commanding them to bow down before their emperor. That was a decidedly sublime and unforgettable moment. To the agonizers with you, she, an international performer, just eats it up. Um, so playful in the role, playful at the panel, uh, eats pressure for breakfast and able to play now what a blessing this role has has been she played philippa georgiou captain of the discovery late uh mentor to burnham she's played this sexy and freewheeling uh emperor of the uh terran universe on the on the mirror side and now she gets to be a key player in section 31 and she's been recruited and um that anson mount uh talked about how there are people just as when we left off with the character who are aware of her real nature as someone who came over from the mirror universe and others who are not and she kind of has to play along with that And uh, you just sense it already from the trailer that it's going to be another delicious turn from uh, one of our favorites in Michelle Yeoh. And and what an opportunity for Michelle Yeoh as a performer, because as you said, Pete, she gets to play, you know, the, the space spy. She also gets to play, you know, emperor on the run. She also gets to play good Captain Georgiou, or at least, you know, evil emperor pretending to be good Captain Georgiou. And there's all this subtlety to it and all this, you know, she's going to bring trouble with her, whatever it is, whether it's trouble against the bad guys or trouble with Starfleet or against Starfleet or all of that. It's just going to be this major antagonizer. And I mean, what a place to be. Both uh, Yo and um, Chifo had oodles of praise for Gersha Phillips, who uh, does the costumes there. Chifo mentioning, um, I couldn't tell if it was glee or just a little bit of resentment that we're returning with some of the uh, Vul- the Vulcan, the Klingon outfits that is- expose a little bit more of uh, the bust area. Uh, traditionally, and then um, Yo talking specifically about how uh, 
being in Section 31, they, they wear a lot of form-fitting leather. So uh, definitely, I mean, the, the costumes in Season 1 are tremendous. And, you know, once you get the uh, petrified stick out of your behind to realize they never wore all blue uniforms that uh except for dr boyce and uh (laughs) in uh the cage which wait is canon because we see it does not compute i this does not fit into my rigid system of beliefs about a show about not holding rigid sets of beliefs right beard and beard what is beard (laughs) like get over these things that you are caught hung up on move forward embrace this vision because it has never looked this lush on our tv screen when it's come to star trek and you know many many of the actors uh not the producers but many many of the actors heaped a ton of praise and credit on the writers who were shaping all of this i mean yes pete form-fitting leather does have its place i suppose but they all took maybe not all but the, the the actors as a whole certainly expressed their in their collective voice over and over the important role that these writers have played in the first season in the second season etc absolutely and um i i think they really really felt passionate about pointing that out and you know we we could go top to bottom in terms of the writing staff in terms of what they have given these performers to do. And they all to a woman, to a man acknowledge them. Never by name. Cause I think there's so many, but uh, in particular, you know, if you're not talking about uh, Bo Young Kim, if you're not talking about Erica Lippold, if you're not talking about uh, Ted Sullivan, then really you don't know where the heart of this with Star Trek Discovery is right now. Well, Pete, a good captain sometimes knows when to let the crew shine. And uh, though we did not hear oodles and oodles and oodles from Sonequa Martin-Green, our captain of the show, though not captain on the show yet, uh, she did, of course, mention that her husband is going to be guesting on the show. She, of course, couldn't tell us anything about that role. I even wondered, Pete, oh, are we going to get some footage? No, it's Star Trek Discovery. Things are buttoned up pretty tight. Yeah, and who knows who he could wind up playing, you know, a, a character of, of some legacy and imports, a, a red shirt who buys it on a mission, uh, some Klingon on the uh, the edge of the frame there that's uh, going to have some significant role. We just have to keep our eyes popped. Uh, also, we heard from uh, the, the ever affable Mary Wiseman, who uh, who just brought her her normal energy and cheeriness to the panel. Uh, one thing that I think is worth pointing out that she had mentioned was uh, how those mirror universe uniforms they really do encourage diverse body types. So, Pete, at least the Empire has that going for it. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> um, and then probably least heard from was Anthony Rapp. Uh, <laughs> Probably understandably, I don't mean to laugh, but just you know, given given the the the, the way in, we, in which he's been in the news in the last year or so, he probably was was simply eager to just let questions come to him. Uh, but Pete, what did he talk about? Well, I can certainly understand um, Anthony Rapp's reticence in terms of this panel. Uh, we were on the cusp. I, I guess I can I can say now, Matt. Um, we were in the process of scheduling an interview with him when the interview came out. Uh, we were actually to speak with him on a Monday. We were setting that up and the interview came out. Um, his, uh, his story is very brave and courageous story about what transpired with Kevin Spacey when he was 14 years old and naturally, uh, and understandably he, uh, you know, took some time at least publicly uh, to, you know, move forward from that uh, disclosure. And obviously they were uh, continuing to film the series. So, um, you know, to, to see him here and to hear him say that uh, he's going to be sharing a lot of screen time with Tilly in particular this season and the dynamic that they have there uh, really was uh something i think we expected 
but to hear it from him that we're going to get really what we want. We love that dynamic between the two of them. Um, I think is, uh, super exciting. He mentioned at one point that, uh, it was words to the effect of, uh, of course his character was in such a bad mood. He had to deal with Lorca for, for so much of that season, you know, and then when not with Lorca in, in this crisis of mirror universe and whatnot. So I think there's a bit of an opportunity there just naturally for the character to reboot a little bit and for us to see, you know, a more natural side uh, to him. Time will tell. We don't know a ton about Stamets. Uh, we know that he was in this relationship with Dr. Culber uh, and how they met and the, the beautiful story there. We know that he was essentially, uh, you know, pushed around by Lorca to come up with this technology. I'm really looking forward to Anthony Rapp being able to spread his wings in this role in a second season that's not so tied to a taskmaster in uh, Lorca and uh, to, to get to evolve this kind of grudging friendship he's formed with Tilly. Well, and of course, by by having Wilson Cruz at the panel and just his general presence on social media since season two started production, we, of course, know that Dr. Culber is going to return in some capacity. The only clue that Cruz gave us will find him where we left him. Pete, what does that mean? The mycelial, mycelial network, the mirror universe, will we find him in our broken hearts? I'd like to think it's it's hiding in plain sight that there's a copy of him in the mycelial network that at some point they may need to access to get someplace with another uh, red light really quick. And, oh, my goodness, we're going to break the rules and, and get the, the old spore drive out again so we can use that really awesome drop down warp in uh, spore drive in effect. Um or we go to the mirror universe or it's a dream sequence or can we just be glad that Wilson Cruz is still on this show in a, in a regular capacity? Absolutely. And Pete, you mentioned the mystery of the red angel. What does it all mean? Is it Romulans with red blood? <laughs> is it, have we found God again? Or is this now the first time the enterprise finds God or some enterprise people find God? And we're going to keep it till Star Trek five for more of that. What does it mean, Pete? I've seen guesses at the Borg queen, um, which I don't think it's going to be. I mean, they kind of retconned that, uh, V'ger helped to, um, you know, uh, tee up the Borg, if you will, or, um, you know, help the Borg become what they were, but that was all in the, the Kelvin side and a comic universe. Uh, so who knows, but, um, it's this compelling mystery. It's going to drive this season in a way that the first season was about establishing the world and then fighting the Klingon war and then being in the mirror universe and having your fun over there and then returning and setting things right and ending that war. So you think it's so much that they did in 15 episodes. I can only imagine in these 13 season two episodes, what's going to happen with this red, red angel mystery. The moment I saw the logo and you can make out the, the red spread wings, I remarked to you on our way to New York comic con, I thought, it was going to be some kind of Romulan connection. Um, it's no secret that Enterprise, had it gotten a fifth season and beyond, was going to explore the Romulan War storyline. Um, is it too late to do that? Is it something necessarily that they'd even consider? I don't know. Um, but I'm just grateful for this mysterious aspect out there. And, you know, we've, we've seen a couple quick shots of this red angel. There's some iconography that Burnham's going through. She sees it as well in a shot in the trailer. And, uh, what a thing to bring brother and half sister together, both having witnessed this apart from, Hey, how are you? Where you been? You have a beard. I was the first, 
Starfleet mutineer, not mutineer. So you can still say Starfleet's never had a mutineer later when you real, uh, wear the really lousy spacesuit in uh, the original series. <laughs> well, Pete, I don't want to be overly oppressive with canon here, but I'll just point out when some of our listeners are yelling at their at their phones, at their computers right now. Why? Uh, the, the, the classic Trek... Uh, introduction of the Romulans. That's the first time anybody's seen Romulans in like a hundred years and whatnot. I don't know that you can have much Romulan activity at this point in the timeline, Pete. It's all about the timeline and canon. We can never be uh, inflexible. We must be completely rigid in, in all ways and all things. These are people that, you know, pardon my French, get their panties in a twist about uniforms. Yeah. Well, Pete, let's uh, let's hear what some people are thinking, uh, their own anticipations about Star Trek Discovery Season 2. Uh, we heard from on Twitter at Datospot1701D, which is just a fantastic Twitter account. This person has tons and tons of passion uh, and is willing to, you know, is willing to sometimes take those faux Trek fan keyboard warriors to task and, and point out, you know, inadequacies in the in the anti-canon argument or in the whatever it is, but what is uh, data spot 1701D looking forward to in season two, first response episodes one through 13, every little bit in between. Uh, then they go on to say, but in seriousness, I'm looking forward to the return of Dr. Culber and further development in the relationship between Saru and Burnham. Yeah. I mean, I've said it before. The thing that strikes me about this cast of characters there were some in earlier incarnations of Star Trek that you kind of loved to hate. We don't hate any of these characters. To, to a, a, a particular character, they're all uh, inhabiting some kind of soft spot that you have for each and every one of them. And um, whether it's the, the Saru-Burnham relationship whether it's the the tortured journey that that Tyler's on, you know, I I wanted to not like him, but I just kept coming back to you know he's he's got the the boyish enthusiasm at the same time it was this Manchurian candidate esque uh, situation that he was in it really wasn't his fault, but he kind of volunteered for it and he's a post traumatic stress victim it's just so complex and they all have characters like that let alone you know those are the main characters of the show let alone you know as excited as i am for the remaining three short treks part of me is like you didn't do a short trek that was about arium and bryce and detmer uh and awokasan you know because those are great characters. they're gonna see i think and they've teased this quite a bit they're gonna see some more screen time in in season two we're gonna get to know them a little bit more i think again to to trust our writing room and to know that there is a thirst for characterization and further world building and story about those characters uh they know that it'll get to it in good time we we have a lot to cover well and hopefully a lot of that is covered in these 13 episodes maybe pete they'll announce surprise surprise uh more money has fallen off the netflix truck it's going to be 15 again um one thing that we that that we can say definitively from some of the uh from some of the press round tables uh separate from the the javits uh panel is that these 13 episodes are going to be presented without a break uh so whether that's good news or bad news whether you let me put it this way pete i'll be completely frank I'm surprised that the season starts in the middle of January and not 31 days after the last short track. Don't give, don't give the CBS all access overlords ideas, Matt. And I'm surprised that they're not doing. Oh, wait, uh, I'm seeing now just over the transom, Matt. It's been backed up a couple weeks. Don't say that. Don't Mm. say that. Uh, And and I also give them credit. I also give them credit for not, you know, taking that break, wink, wink, to really keep your anticipation, but to also make you pay for half months that you're not watching Discovery, but you're going to get charged for the whole month and you need to go through the trouble to quit. A certain percentage of people won't. We can count all our, our, you know, Earther dollars and whatnot. Just give it to us straight. Let the show stand up on its own. 
let that be let that be one product and let the subscription end and the people who hang around for other things let that be something else but make this the best star trek experience you can make it and that's with concurrent episodes and they're doing it pete uh, are we in the mirror universe all of a sudden or have we come out i don't know i don't know anymore i don't know the notion of 13 straight discovery episodes that's going to take us into early april this after uh four 15 approximately minute uh short treks you know we're really getting 14 episodes i can state matt with 100 percent accuracy that picard shows up in the 15th episode in this run when the picard show starts up <laughs> um and I think you raise a good point, too. If there's any behind the scenes, you know, like, let's prime the pump for a couple extra bucks. It's at the short trek's end, and at least it's up front. Like, it's not this partial month thing going on. It's like, if you want this, buy this. And if you don't, guess what? Each month, well, now will be, you know, this month there was one. Next month will be the new one and the old one. That's two. And the month after that, you know, three and so on and so forth. So the value increases. And if you're going to shake some money out of the couch cushions that's a more honest way to do it with actual product, not, you know, oopsie, you paid for all of February, but you're only getting two episodes, sorry, or whatever it might be. So, yeah. I'm going to be honest. My preferred method to watch Discovery is going to be on my 60-inch TV, which I just can't do uh, yet with all access being on the computer and not having an app on the LG TV that I own and I don't have um, I don't have Apple TV so I'm going to get those Blu-rays the very first day they're out in November and I'm going to watch these all again and continue to wait with bated breath for season two well Pete I don't want to become spoiler Matt we'll just stick a pin in portions of that discussion I will say for my own money regarding the Blu-rays I eagerly pre-ordered them the day that they, uh, the, the day that the pre-order went live back in August. And then my personal decision with uh, saying, you know what, putting, putting you know, not, not an over amount, not an unreasonable amount, but hey, you're asking me to pony up money to see these short treks when they drop. I was like, you know what, if I'm going to pay for these extra months to get it streaming, you're not getting my money for the Blu-ray at this time. Maybe that becomes a present later on, but that was my own personal decision. Again, Pete, when we get to the Star Trek times, we'll just we'll just replicate new Blu-rays all we want, or we'll watch them <laughs> over L cars, or we'll be like holodeck, make Star Trek episode uh, magic to make the sanest man go mad, and uh, guess what? I get to play a character in it. Time will tell. There you go. Um, yeah, I just the the allure of being able to watch it on uh, my big screen in in my home. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. It's it's worth whatever it's going to run me for that and uh, I'll, I'll happily pay it. Sniping aside, Pete, I actually, I will be curious to hear what your experience is like. And I'm sure we can talk about it on the podcast. I was only aware in the last couple of weeks, people saying, you know, another ding against all access is they stream at 720p, not 1080p, which I had not, I usually I can spot that stuff pretty well. I had not been aware of that watching it on, on my big screen TV. So I, and I dare say the listeners will be interested to hear kind of your report about what's the show like on, on Blu-ray in full glory, full versus what we've seen already, you know, whatever that might be. And I know too, we've already discussed how they've, uh, they've upped the, um, the aspect ratio for the short treks, which portends for season two. So again, that, you know, um, Tiny product, however, with all the bells and whistles of a real episode and improved for season two. I mean, we're getting our money's worth. Well, Pete, hopefully those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek feel that they are getting their money's worth, helping keep Fantastic Geek flying in the stars with the bandwidth and the storage and the bleeps and the bloops and the boop boop. And we just want to say thank you to one and all. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels that you can contribute at, whether it's the number one level that comes with a brunette wig or whether it is the lower decks red shirt 
where uh, we see you only for a moment as you step aboard the USS Fantastic Geek. But uh, we could not attend this panel. We could not record this podcast. We could not watch Star Trek Discovery and have this tremendous dialogue without you. Indeed, well said, Pete. And we, of course, want to hear how uh, how people are enjoying the short treks. Maybe you're re-watching season one, your anticipation for season two. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,079 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Visit FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Set coordinates to like today. Well, Pete, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back Friday after next to talk Daredevil season three as that uh, as that season hits Netflix. Uh, if you're here for Star Trek Discovery, Pete, we will be back uh, shortly, maybe day of or day after on uh, on uh, November eighth. That is when the next short Trek drops. That of course Calypso, and uh, looking forward to that. In fact, I. I, I turned off the preview partway through but i understand <laughs> calypso is the one with the new character yes that would be the character of craft so certainly looking forward to that and of course any breaking star trek news we'll cover on our discovery feed as well so with that pete i'm going to go ahead and say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word starfleet is a promise i give my life for you you give your life for me 